Broadway Sports Media. I hate Corey Davis. Corey Davis yeah. is going to be awful. He's probably going to be out for the year. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Mr. Lebowski, a.k.a. Michael Gillum. Am I also known as? I mean, because that's my actual legal name. I think that should be the other way around. I don't really give a damn. You know who I am at this point. You're tuning in. You're here. We're ready to get into it. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Matt DeShane, Mike Vrabel got his ass slapped. We're going to get into it. <laughs> we got those cheeks clapped. You got those cheeks clapped for that birthday. <laughs> Wow, that's awful. We're just right. I mean, just 30 seconds into your morning and we're just all up in it. Nashville soccer has returned two games. They got one win, one draw, and no one saw it. We're going to get into why no one saw it. Actually, if you're listening to this and you didn't see it, you know exactly why you didn't see it. But here we are again. I'm always joined by co host and producer extraordinaire, Zach Lyon, Zachary. Good morning. It is early. I've had a Celsius. Maybe I need to uh, promote Celsius to maybe get them to sponsor this morning show tell, that we're tell now starting. Tell us what Celsius to. is. Celsius is a low-calorie, low-sugar energy drink that has, provides you with healthy energy, accelerates your metabolism, and promotes burning of body fat. I've been drinking it for a long, long time. It's one of the very few energy drinks that don't let you, uh, that don't make you crash later on down the road. So it's been around since 2005, apparently, but I've only been drinking it since about 2010. Wow, Johnny come lately. Yeah, it's kosher though, non-GMO, gluten-free. <laughs> they got all kinds of different flavors. One of them right now is a white peach. Ooh, it is good. It is good. <laughs> No, the white no, girl in me, the inner white girl in me, basic bitch, she loves it. You're a white so, peach. <laughs> have you painted Live, Laugh, Love on the living room wall yet? No, but uh, <laughs> I have painted Huxley's toenails. Do you ha- oh, oh, my God. Do oh, you have wow. an excessive – yeah, what, just should I move on past that, or do we have a whole thought of being, <laughs> Do you have an excessive amount of throw pillows? Uh, yeah, and I – I actually do throw them off the bed or and off the uh, couch, and Lauren got mad at me this week. I said, how does this throw pillow keep coming back? I keep putting it behind the couch. And she goes, well, I don't want it behind the couch. Well, put it in the fucking closet. It's in my way. Is, is that why they're called throw pillows? Because you just throw them on the floor? That's exactly I, why they're called throw pillows. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so 24 minutes into the episode, I'm ready to introduce Mike Herndon. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm just, I'm just here to talk about throw pillows. Mike, how many, do, you, do you have an excessive amount of throw pillows in your house? You know, I don't think it's excessive. No, I think we've got an appropriate amount of throw pillows. I, I actually am looking for pillows more often than I am throwing them on the ground. So I might have the opposite problem that Zach has. Maybe you need to throw some over this way. I'll throw some over to Mount Juliet. Okay. Lithuania. <laughs> Lithuania. Do you have Live, Laugh, Love painted anywhere in your house? Do not. No. Thank no God. Live, Laugh, Love. I really can keep doing the podcast now because I was, I was like, <laughs> I was getting a little afraid. Zach's, Zach's drinking white peach coffee coolers or something in the morning. Well, technically, this is wild berry, but the white <laughs> peach is really good. He's painting his dog's toenails. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. So we're going to get into it. Um, we're going to talk. Did, did I already say that we're going to talk about Matt Duchesne getting soft? Yeah, we are. So we're going to get right into that. Um, getting soft? Let me, let me just, yeah, sorry. It's, it's early. It's, we, don't, we don't normally record this early, guys, but it's early. So here we are. What's funny is the Nashville soccer content we're going to get into, their match ended at 1.40 in the morning. There was yeah. no way. I was going to try to watch a little bit of it, and then I realized it got pushed back to 11 p.m. I was like, yeah, so we're not going to watch it. All right, anyways, Matt Duchesne. So – I don't even know where to begin with this guy. I'm, I'm so frustrated with the Predators in general because if you just listen to certain segments of the Predators, you would think that they just fought this long, hard series and possibly lost, <laughs> you know, multiple rounds into the playoffs and not the fact that they got a gentleman sweep right at the beginning. Is Matt Duchesne soft? Did you all hear his comments after the game? Let's start with the offsides penalty. The whole fact that he wasn't available for media 
consumption, if you want to call it, right after the game. And then he basically had to be shamed into appearing on the radio the next day. Is he is he soft? He's one hundred percent soft. I mean, this is a guy who got, goes on the three HL here in Nashville, and had a guy from Arizona tell me that he couldn't believe they were moving on. It was no secret they got outplayed. What? That that guy must just be wanting to stroke Matt Deshane's ego, or wanting him to not feel so bad because he knows he's soft. Because uh, the Predators got outplayed. I'm tired of this narrative, and we talked about this on last week's episode. I am tired of this narrative that the Predators were the better team and they just so happened to lose. I'm sorry. That doesn't really happen in sports, in my opinion. I think this, well, they were the better team, you know, but they lost. No, the better team won. That's why they're the better team. They may have had the worst regular season ever, but in that point in time, the better team was Arizona in that point in time in these conversations where people say, well, the better team, what is the other one? Well, they weren't. It's just this participation award kind of thing that we have going on in this society. You either win or you lose. And the loser is the one that's at home in Nashville. And that's the predators. The predators are the losers and they got outplayed. They lost multiple games. This isn't just a one, a fluke win. They lost multiple games to not move on in the playoffs. And Matt Duchesne is super soft. And right now, it's a black, you know, mark on the David Poyle era that he's this way. And this is not what – I don't know hockey, right, Uh, very, very much. I'm still a a toddler hockey fan. But when this Matt Duchesne trade happened, everybody was throwing parades and all this stuff, and they were all excited that Subban was gone, and here's Duchesne, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not that impressed. Yeah, so Duchesne's whole thing, I mean, you you go on the radio, he's got a weekly spot on 3HL, and, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that comes with being, you know, a star player and kind of, you know, one of the faces of the franchise. Well, when the face of the fan franchise doesn't come through in a big spot, you've got to go face the music and to try to, you know, you can't just go on after the wins and after the goals. You've got to go on, after, you know, in the hard moments like this and, and him not showing up or having to be goaded into doing his weekly appearance, which is, you know, a, a part of his responsibility every week. Uh, it, it is a little bit soft and it's disappointing for a guy that, you know, they invested a lot in, I mean, they, they not only uh, traded away Subban effectively to make room for him, but then they gave him a bunch of money to come here. And, and, you know, they kind of flirted with him for a really long time. Um, So it's disappointing to see it. And yeah, I I do think it was a soft move. Um, And, you know, we should expect better uh, from a guy that is being paid like that and is uh, more than willing to come on the radio after wins and when everything's going well. It's just too – it's too laissez-faire of an attitude of alluding to and making comments along the lines of the line played fine, we got outplayed. This thing, you, you got outplayed by a franchise that – it has no history of winning and advancing in the playoffs with any kind of regularity. I mean, doesn't the and it NHL just fired their GM who just fired their GM. If I'm not mistaken, the coyotes were essentially owned by the NHL for quite a long time because it was such a dysfunctional franchise. What a joke. I mean, this is a predators team that again, I said this last week on the podcast. I'll continue to say it. The predators all we've been hearing since their cup run in 2017 is, you know, this is a team built to win championships. Are you ready to get to it? Are you ready to get around to the part where you win a championship? Because I just watched a team that just like the rest of the NHL had to have this huge production about going in the bubble, testing negative, a lot of things that sports are going through right now. And you, you ripped off one win against the Coyotes. And then Matt Duchesne is saying, oh, well, someone told me at dinner afterwards, a Coyotes player told me at dinner afterwards that I I just can't believe that we're moving on. You all were the better team. Excuse me, but, you know, that's garbage. That's garbage. That's soft. 
And I was more impressed with Poyle's comments later in the week after the Predators were sent packing that was basically like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we have some serious things that we need to address with this team. Matt Shane just made it sound like that they got thrown out in the conference championship and they won one game against the Coyotes. It's pathetic. It is. And and I, I hate the, the mentality of, well, we were the better team. It, it It's, you play to win the game, right? That's the, that's the old saying, if you didn't win, then you weren't the better team. That's just the way sports are. And, and, you know, sure there's luck and there's good bounces and stuff like that, but that's why you play five games in a series or seven games in a series in the playoffs. You lost three games to a, a really bad team. Uh, nobody's feeling sorry for you guys. So, no. so quit throwing this parade for, how your effort was and, and everything like that. You lost and just say, hey, not good enough. We're going to do better and move on. That's all we need to hear from you right now, Predators. Zach, I'll give you the last word. I fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there ain't much to say. I mean, this no. team, this team is, is crap, and I think their attitude is crap, and I think Poyle – you know, is going to have to rein them in because I, there's, there is nothing heading into a 2021 NHL season currently that has me excited about the Predators. Other than, hey, it's just hockey and I get to go to the games again, hopefully in 2021. But there's no, nothing about this team that's good. Uh, there's, that's, no, there's no exciting team. I mean, we didn't get that first-round pick that everybody was hoping we'd get. And, you know – it is what it is. I feel like we're going into a same old, same old. The Predators will probably start out a little slow. Then they'll get really hot, and we'll be so excited. And then we'll be let down because that's the Predators' mon- mantra right now, to let you down. And what do you think that Pekka's feeling right now? Like, what's going through his head? You know, here he is. He didn't get to start any of the games. And – not to say that it was on Soros, but could Pekka have provided some kind of spark and some kind of defense? I don't know, but someone that's with the tenure in the locker room is what he's gone through and how long he's been here. Not to give him one shot, I'm a little I'm – I'm I understand it, just don't agree with it. I'd imagine what he's feeling is probably pain through his old body because he's, I mean, that's an old man out there still waiting to play goalie. But I do agree with you. That's it, the fact that he didn't even get to start a game. And how much longer are we going to be saying the name Pecorine on that team? But I agree with you, Zach. It, going into 2021, I have zero excitement and interest of watching the Predators play if this is the product we're playing out there. Man, those comments sound a lot like comments we've made about the Tennessee Titans a lot. And thank God we're not making those comments about them right now. So knock on wood. Um, Boys, I want to get into Nashville Soccer Club. They returned to the field last week. uh, Well, I'll get into into why. (laughs) Some of you may not have seen it, but excuse me. So they returned, got a nice win uh, just about a week and a half ago with uh, David Ockham. Is that how you say his last name, Ockham? Um, I think so. so. Ockham's Fraser. David Ockham scores the only goal in week one at 86 minutes. Uh, week two, which actually uh, ended at 1.40 in the morning, uh, Monday morning. <laughs> so <laughs> just an absolute disaster of that game getting pushed due to weather. But ended at 1.40 in the morning, ended up as a draw against Dallas. Uh, the problem with both of those games is 90% of the people who want to tune in and watch it didn't even get to. So apparently, Nashville Soccer Club, MLS – has a streaming uh, uh, an agreement with uh, local TV or to have the games on my W30, which I believe is a, a Sinclair group that That's right. basically eliminates streaming blacks out streaming from ESPN plus YouTube TV, Hulu, whatever. If you have access to my TV 30 on one of these streaming accounts, or you have an ESPN plus account, you can't even watch the game streaming. And cord cutting is not some fad right now. Cord cutting is a reality for a lot of people, especially in the age and demographic that wants to watch these games. It's mostly younger people that want to watch these games. Most young people are cord cutters. But unless you have an over-the-air antenna 
or, <laughs> or actual cable, which a lot of people don't have either one of those, including myself, you didn't get to watch these games. I found, or I, I was working around trying to find a way to stream the first game, eventually gave up. Um, I didn't even bother trying to find a way to stream the second game because after what I'd gone through with the first, but I'll just throw it out there. Start with you, Mike. I mean, did you get to watch the game and how frustrating is that? So I did, I did watch the game Wednesday night, but I, to do so, and I didn't find out about it until uh, like midday Wednesday that this was going to be blacked out on Hulu because I'm a cord cutter. I use Hulu streaming services for my TV. Um, but uh, when I found out I wasn't going to be able to watch it on that, I actually had to go dig through my garage to find my old digital antenna that I'd had for tailgating. Um, and luckily still had it and was able to get it hooked up and, and end up watching, which I mean, was, was fine and it worked for me and everything, but not everybody has a digital antenna sitting in their garage that they can go dig up. Um, and it's ridiculous of, you know, and I guess uh, Davey Shepard of uh, Speedway Soccer and also uh, Broadway Sports Media um, had mentioned, I think, that when the pre or when Nashville SC put out their TV rights for bid locally, basically there was just one bid um, as far as he understands, and it was the My TV 30 group. So they didn't have a ton of leverage in this whole deal because there just wasn't a ton of interest uh, from local carriers. So I think part of it is that, but yeah, it's, it's completely ridiculous. And it's honestly, you know, you hate to see it because I think Nashville SC has done a lot of stuff right. Um, trying to get ready. And, you know, the team actually isn't bad. They haven't played in a game where they haven't been competitive yet. Uh, the win Wednesday night was really exciting. They scored a late goal to, to take the lead and then held on for dear life and uh, beat a really good FC Dallas team. Um, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a good competitive MLS team, but it, between the coronavirus stuff and getting knocked out of that tournament and then coming back and then you've got this whole blackout issue that's affecting a huge chunk of the fan base and then you've got this lightning delay thing i did, i wasn't able to watch the game last night because it was happening uh like at midnight from it i think they started at like 11 or 11 30 and they ended yes. up going until like one um which you know I, i'm sure that viewers for that were probably maybe not even in three digits. Um, but it's, uh, it's on kind of an unfortunate start for them as far as reaching this fan base. And it's, I don't know that it's all their fault, but it's, it's been kind of a uh, Murphy's law kind of start for them, which, you know, it just sucks. And, and they've got to get this streaming thing fixed because if they want to build a fan base here, which they need to now, while there's some excitement and intrigue, um, they've, they've got to have people watching these games. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because you, you at, on one hand you have to feel for the team be well the team the people at team headquarters because they like you said it was alluded that they didn't get a lot of options when it came or a lot of bids to stream their game so they took the most profitable one right and then now come to find out that not a lot of people can watch your games unless they go to a bar and hope that that bar is tied with uh, my TV 30 and you know, it's, it's a hassle to go watch this game. And again, your demographic are probably the majority of them are cord cutters and you're trying to build interest into this sport that couldn't get into the MLS's back tournament because of let's be honest, crap, COVID protocols by the team. I mean, they, they couldn't keep everybody from, you know, testing positive and they couldn't get into the tournament and they, they lost that. But then we start building back up this momentum to get to this first game and everybody's excited. And then like two hours before the game, everybody finds out, Oh, I can't watch the game. And you could see it on Twitter, like all of Twitter for the most part, except for, those few people that I follow um, that still have cable for whatever reason, um, I guess they just love throwing money away, but um, are just livid. I mean, everybody's upset that they can't watch this game. And 
it sucks. Like, it's just a bad situation. That And Mike's right. They have to come up with some kind of solution sooner rather than later. Because if your own local market – first off, I don't really understand why local stations black you out. Like, what is that? Like, do you think I'm really going to go out and spend $100 more on cable just so I can watch your local broadcast? I'll just I, not watch your product. Yeah, I don't understand blackout, especially right now with what we're dealing with. No matter where you stand on how you feel, where we should be as society with dealing with the coronavirus in the United States, blackout rules in the middle of all this are so crazy because attending sporting events is so such a hodgepodge of whether or not you can go, whether you can't, none of that matters. The fact that blackout rules still exist in, in any form or fashion outside of a pandemic is beyond me, but why they exist right now in the middle of a pandemic, I just don't understand that. I mean, it was the same thing for the predators for a while and it was, you had to, you know, at some point I had to get the NBC Sports app. I think it was during their Stanley Cup run to be able to to stream the games and watch the games, which is fine. There's an app for it, but where's my soccer app? Is, does the MLS not have an app? Is there not an app I can download? Because apparently all I can do is pay more money a month to get Sinclair Broadcasting to give me the permission to watch my own soccer team here locally. Like, that's that's just crazy to me. And they aren't even, like, blackouts to try to, you know, push people to go to games, right? I mean, the, these games were both away games. Um, so it's not even like the NFL's rule where if it's not a sellout, uh, you know, crowd or whatever, they have the right to black it out in local markets and stuff like that. It, this was an away game. I mean, no, nobody in Nashville could, could have gone to the game anyways. I mean, it's just – the whole thing is ridiculous and it's a, it's a black eye on, I think one Sinclair media, uh, but the two natural SC, you gotta, you gotta deal with this and they need to have a quick response to it. It's just gotta, it, something has to be done. Otherwise they're going to, they're going to turn off some fans that otherwise were really excited to see their product. Now they can't and they're pissed off about it and they're like, well, fine. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not dealing with it and, and they're going to move on. Well, Nashville's next match is Saturday, the 22nd, against Atlanta United. Unfortunately, I'm sure it's still going to be stuck in the same streaming and blackout rules that we're having to deal with. So if you've got got an antenna and you got a way to find it, you know, best on you. I guess I'll have to be scrambling to find a way to watch it. But, uh, no, excited to, excited to watch their progress. Glad to have them back on the field. I just wish there was a way to, better way for us to tune in. I mean, the, the game was fun. I mean, just to, just to talk about that for – uh, just a second. I mean, it was, it was a great game. I, I, I just wish we could talk about that and not the stupid blackout rule. Tennessee Titans have opened up training camp and I got to ask right off the rip, who's going to be the first player to try to fight Vic Beasley? I don't know if it's going to be a player. I kind of think that it could be Mike Vrabel or Shane Bowen, just throwing bows at him. I mean, just pissed off that he can't, show up and then he's probably going to be lagging behind and I think Vrabel I think Vrabel's going to crawl all up in there and he is going to rip him a new one the Nashville media is going to eat it up and I think they'll get to a fight I think it's we're going to we're going to see Mike Vrabel do a belly-to-belly suplex on Vic Beasley at some point so Vrabel just g- drops the gloves as soon as uh, Beasley walks out of the bubble. It's like, let's go. Let, let's just get this out of the way now. Vic Beasley um, is going to come out of the tunnel. Stone Cold's music is going to hit the glass shattering, and you're going to hear the music. And and then here comes Mike Vrabel is just going to jump out of the ring, straight up the ramp, and just start throwing fists at him. I like it. I like it. I You know, I kind of think – so Taylor Lewan is the guy, the name that first jumps to my mind, right? Because one, it makes sense. They go against, they're going to go against each other in practice. They play, you know, opposing positions, right? So, but I think Lewan mostly works against Landry in, in practice. So maybe it's the Undertaker, Dennis Kelly, choke slams his ass on a uh, on a play. I mean, maybe maybe that's the guy. What are you thinking, Lebowski? I, so is 
I really, what I want is the NFL to have gloves similar to the NHL to where they literally have to throw them off when they get ready to roll. That, that is one of the best parts I love about the NHL is throwing those gloves off where they really are ready to throw hands. That's what I want is for Vrabel to just be standing on the sidelines or standing near the huddle, and he just has to rip those gloves off and just say, that's it, and grab Beasley by the face mask. I, I got to think that there's probably – a little bit of heat attention there with Beasley showing up late, I, but I, I'm like you. I have hard, I have a hard time picking a player on this team that I feel like would get into it with Vic Beasley. For some reason, I think Logan Ryan would have done it, but you know, him being more of a veteran, probably maybe that wouldn't have fit. But you know, with him not being here, obviously we don't get to see that. But I, I don't know. My options would have to go down between Taylor Lewan and, like you said, Mike Vrabel for sure. What about Derek A.J. Henry? Brown? I was going to say Derrick Henry. Like, that one time, you think there's going to be a, some extra juice to his stiff arm? Man. Like, in uh, practice, maybe. he's going to stiff arm him, and then Vic Beasley's going to be mad and say, hey, you can't do that to a veteran. Blah, 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 blah. And, and, that, and Derrick Henry that is, is just going to go off on him. And that's an aircraft carrier of a man you yeah. don't want to see coming at you that's just angry and upset. Yeah, I would love to see that. A.J. Brown is an interesting option. I have noticed that A.J. Brown likes to tweet out a lot of interesting, maybe not interesting, but just kind of off-the-cuff comments, and then they get deleted within a few minutes to an hour later. So it kind of leads me to believe that he's got some things on his chest and he will air them out, is willing to air them out at any time. So, yeah, I could see him getting in Big Beasley's face. And, again, that's another big man you probably don't want in your face. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of wide receivers – Khalif Raymond, do we see him as a wide receiver too? No. Like, wide receiver too? Yeah, no. get a grip on uh, Twitter, Titans Twitter. I mean, the people are just like, they, they have totally written off Corey Davis. It is apparently A.J. Brown and Khalif Raymond are going to carry this offense, and <laughs> that is, that's all you need, and you don't need Corey Davis. You don't need Adam Humphreys. I mean, they're skipping two other proven NFL wide receivers to put Khalif Raymond. This this is worse than Trey McBride hype, in my opinion. And you know me. This may be because of me. I am a Khalif Raymond guy, and I have dubbed him the route god a little out of jest. And maybe it's taken, you know, a life of its own. But Khalif Raymond is your number four wide receiver. And it's like a number four A because he's a different wide receiver than – what you may a different fourth wide receiver than what you may get out of like a Cody Hollister, Christian Wilkerson. And then he's technically could be three B. I mean, he kind of float. He's, he's a, his position is very dependent upon what they want to run. He's not going to be in those short yardage situations, even though he can do those situations because that's where Adam Humphreys is going to be. And that's where you want Adam Humphreys when it's third and nine and you need nine yards, you want Adam Humphreys. Unless you're going to try and go deep, then you want Khalif Raymond. But you're, he's a wide receiver, 4, 3B, however you want to call it. But putting him up at wide receiver 2, which I've seen a lot of, maybe I need to take responsibility and apologize to everybody for a little bit of hype on Khalif Raymond. But make no bones about it. When Tajay Sharp left, I felt that we had the receivers on the roster that could do what he did. Khalif Raymond does what he does a little bit differently, but Cody Hollister or Christian Wilkerson will probably take that role. But we, everybody forgets that we have Adam Humphreys on this team, and I understand why. I mean, he didn't play a lot of games last year because of injury, but that's a very rare occurrence for Adam Humphreys. And I, 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 let's just settle down on the Khalif Raymond hype train. Listen, I, I am as much a Khalif Raymond fan as anyone. I, I think he his story is great. I love the, the speed element that he brings to the offense. I've been preaching that the Titans need that guy for years and years and years. And they finally have someone that, who has shown some glimpse of possibly being that guy. But let's slow down just a second. Let's just look at some uh, career stats for the other wide receivers that everyone is in a hurry to put Raymond over. Uh, okay. So career receiving rece receiving stats for Corey Davis, uh, 142 catches, 
1,867 yards, six touchdowns. Adam Humphreys, 256 catches, 2,703 yards, 11 touchdowns. Khalif Raymond, 10 catches, 182 yards, one touchdown. What? And, and it's not like Raymond is this young guy. He's older than the other two. He's 26. He's not a. He's not this guy that is like you know going to become Tyreek Hill. I don't think. You know, what I mean, like this is this is not uh, that guy. He's a good player. He's interesting, but he has 10 career catches, guys. Like seriously, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. We need to find out if he can be a functional number four wide receiver, which he has never been in his career to this point. I mean, he played an important role, but it was a very limited role uh, last season. So let's see if he can handle that role before we throw him into wide receiver two uh, above two guys who who have, even if you aren't crazy about Corey Davis or uh, Adam Humphreys, they've had really good seasons. Both those guys have had, uh, you know, I think at least 800 or 900 yard seasons uh, within the last two years. I mean, both of those guys had really good 2018. So let's, let's pump the brakes. Raymond is at best wide receiver four at best. Yeah. I mean, and he's a, even when he's probably on the field, Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis are both going to be there with AJ Brown too. I mean, he's probably more of a wide receiver. Um, unless the specific plays play action and stretching the field, you're probably only going to see Khalif Raymond situationally, right? Because Adam Humphreys is a better blocker. Corey Davis is the better blocker. Adam Humphreys is the better in the middle of the field. Corey Davis is better on the outside for the most part in those other routes that you want. I I mean, I love Khalif Raymond. I think it's, like you said, great story. I think, you know, people, I do think people tend to focus on, well, you know, if he hasn't caught on somewhere else, why is he catching on here? It's, you know, kind of like, you know, how Ryan Tannehill was. I mean, he gets here and he's put in a better situation and he's used, his skill set is used better in this offense. And I think Khalif has a a valuable skill set. He has that deep speed and he's reliable. And Tannehill likes him. I mean, Tannehill trusts him. I think that's, it's basically everything we wanted Taewon Taylor to be, right? Except for he's a way cheaper and, you know, it is what it is. So let's not, let's not go crazy. Let's not make him Trey McBride and make him the number one wide receiver and all this stuff. I think he's going to make the roster. I don't think he's in danger of being cut. But let's not make him out to be Juju Smith-Schuster or something like that. Now, I mean, I, I will I, say, in defense of Titans fan on Twitter, this is also coming from a group of guys that is pretty much solely responsible for the Anthony Ferkser for Pro Bowl groundswell that ended up on Twitter. <laughs> so we, we kind of bear a little bit of the blame here. And if you go over to broadwaysportsmedia.com, we have a wonderful segment called Tape of a Titan where you can see Khalif Raymond breaking down some film. So are we a bit of a hypocrite here? No, because we're just saying to pump the brakes. <laughs> we're not saying that Khalif isn't deserving to, of a roster spot and he isn't deserving to see playing time. Cause I fully feel that feel Phil. What'd I say? Feel. Phil. Phil? Phil? Um, I fully believe that Khalif Raymond is going to be on the roster and he is going to see an uptick in playing time and uptick in targets and uptick in receptions yards all that I, I believe it but wide receiver too I do not believe wide receiver too so let's move on to uh expectations for DeAndre Walker um and, and I just kind of want to throw that out here there to you first Mike um outside linebacker fifth round pick uh what how do you feel what, what are your expectations so I think the the appropriate expectations for him are rotational guy um, who maybe has a little bit of upside. You know, we, we haven't seen a single snap from him, uh, period, um, in a game because he didn't even play in a preseason game last year. So we have not seen him take a single NFL, sna- NFL snap. Um, and so it's really hard to know what to expect. I did like him coming out of uh, Georgia. I didn't think he was a second or third round pick kind of guy like some people had him projected. Um, so, but I was thrilled when they got him in the fifth. I thought that was great value. So I, I do think there's some talent there. 
Um, and at the very least, I do feel like he's a guy uh, that's going to be a responsible player. He's going to be strong against the run. You know, whether he has some pass rushing juice, I don't know. But he's a guy that maybe you could rely on to take some early down snaps off of uh, Harold Landry and if Vic Beasley ever suits up. Uh, Vic Beasley, you know, and let those guys kind of, you know, let let maybe Walker and Correa handle the early down kind of, you know, run edge setting work and then let the uh, the speed guys and Landry and uh, uh, Beasley and even Roberson um, come off the edge with, with a little bit more juice on third downs. I think that's a great setup for, you know, a, a second, you know, really what is it, Walker's rookie season. Well, I will dispute that because Coach Mack was on Midday 180 about two weeks ago, and they asked him specifically about DeAndre Walker, and he says, you cannot view DeAndre Walker as a rookie. He says, because DeAndre Walker, while he has not played a game, was heavily involved in practices and team meetings, and he, Vrabel took a special interest in making sure that DeAndre Walker, when he was able to play, would be up to speed, up to snuff, now, physically, you still have to see it, right? But mentally, he's prepared. According to Coach Mack, mentally, DeAndre Walker is prepared. Now, we're not talking that you're going to see the the second coming of J.J. Watt or whatever pass rusher you want to throw out there. You're not going to see that. But what you're going to see is a solid contributor to this defense. He's not just going to be – a special teams guy. And that's what uh, a lot of offseason talk I've heard from various people in some group chats is that you can't expect much from DeAndre Walker because he didn't play last year. You'll probably just see him on special teams. And I don't think that's going to be the case. And the way that Coach Mack makes it sound is that he will be a solid contributor. They just cut Reggie Gilbert. They haven't signed Jadavian Clowney yet. I mean, you're talking about it's Harold Landry, Vic Beasley, Correa, Roberson, and Walker. That's five outside linebackers, and I think the way that we've seen this defense work is that you'll see considerable playing time compared to what everybody thinks you're going to get out of DeAndre Walker. And I think I think it's good that Titans fans want to know more about DeAndre Walker and want to hear more about DeAndre Walker because that means that he hasn't been forgotten and he wasn't left behind by this team. They if they felt that. DeAndre Walker couldn't contribute. I think you would have seen at least a secondary outside linebacker, you know, on the market signed, right? Like not a not a clowny, obviously, but like um, I don't know who else was out there, but some other a Reggie Gilbert type player, right? But they just cut Reggie Gilbert. He's injured, and they cut a couple of uh, they cut a Monty Bledsoe. Um, you know, they've cut people that can kind of fill that void. I think they have high expectations for DeAndre Walker. Let me say high expectations. Expectations that you have a fifth-round draft pick that is going to contribute closer to probably like a third-round draft pick would. Like, I, I think you've you got to have the right expectations, and the Titans have those right, correct expectations. So speaking of expectations, A.J. Brown and his target share heading into 2020, um, obviously I think you expect to see him get more targets. Um, how do you feel what, – what is that its effect on uh, his per- perceived established identity? It just let me, let me throw it to you first, Mike. Um, is he going to get more targets? What is that going to mean? You know, I think he gets more targets because he, he wasn't targeted – terribly often last year but I don't know that it's going to be a huge jump that some people think it is because I do still think Corey Davis is going to get some targets uh Johnny Smith needs some targets I mean he's he's kind of a guy that a lot of people look at and and see him including myself poised for a, a breakout season finally healthy um, you know and, and coming off of a, a really good year where he took some meaningful steps forward and then Adam Humphreys is kind of like the forgotten guy in this offense, I feel like. But early reports from training camp are that Adam Humphreys is is really looking good and showing some improved chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. And, and he's probably the guy, you know, him, him and Davis were the guys that spent all of camp working with Mariota because, um, you know, A.J. Brown really wasn't a 
number one. He wasn't with the first team in training camp last year. It was uh, Davis, Humphreys, and Sharp pretty much the entire time. Um, and so I feel like Davis and Humphreys are both guys that are poised to benefit from having a year uh, with Ryan Tannehill under their belt. Yeah, I, that's, we had a few questions about A.J. Brown when I asked for a couple of topic ideas or whatever from the fans. And they said um, – someone said 130 targets. And I think you're looking at maybe targets in the realm – how many targets did uh, Corey Davis have in 2018? Like 105 uh, or something like that? I just had it up. I think it was more than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe targets in that that range it's going to be definitely less than 130 but i think it's 112 yeah i think that's about i was gonna say 115 so i'm going 115 targets i don't think it's going to affect the identity of this team and what they want to do on the offense because they can all come on play action passes and stuff like that i just think that the expectation expectations need to be at a certain level and it's not at that level for any of our players it feels like head into the 2020 season so essentially what you're saying is he's not going to be benched for Khalif Raymond. No, he's not <laughs> going to be benched. Khalif Raymond is not breathing down A.J. Brown's neck. So over the weekend, uh, a couple of big tight end contracts with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. What does this mean for Jonu Smith? L let's start with the two contracts. Zach, um, Kittle and Kelsey, what did they get? Market-breaking, just, just go into it. Yeah, Kittle got a five-year, $75 million contract, which includes an $18 million signing bonus of $40 million guaranteed. So it's an Ooh. average salary of about 15 mil. Now, the as of this morning, SpotTrack still does not have – is it SpotTrack or SpoTrack? I've heard it said both, and it's really weird. Uh, anyway. Oh, it says SpotTrack. Yeah, SpotTrack <laughs> uh, does not have the cap hits yet, but um, basically – it's a pretty relatively inexpensive thing. And then Travis Kelsey, it's kind of the same thing. It's a four-year extension that is $57.2 million, uh, includes $28 million guaranteed, and an average salary of 14.3. This is actually his third contract, by the way. I know, I know a lot of people think that he's relatively young, but he's 30 years old. He's been in the NFL since 2013, so he's on his third contract. What does this mean for Janu? I don't think a, a whole lot other than they can maybe get a couple million dollars extra than out of John, out of uh, J John Robinson. But let's be honest, John Robinson doesn't let all these other contracts really dictate how much he's going to pay. Uh, the agents probably try, which is good on them. They should. But for the most part, I mean, I remember when Zeke got signed and when Christian McCaffrey's numbers came out and everybody expected – Derrick Henry to be at that level or you know Derrick Henry's gonna hold out because he's not gonna get paid what they're gonna get paid well he didn't and we got Derrick Henry relatively cheap that's just what that's just what uh John Robinson does he takes care of his guys they tend to sign with him and I think it's gonna be the same thing with Johnu. I don't think we have to panic and have to sign him now before he has a good year because he's still not gonna have as good a year as Travis Kelsey and George Kittle he's just not he's a good player and I love me some John and some fantasy football and I love John in this office but he's not George Kittle and Travis Kelsey pump the brakes on panicking whenever you see these large contracts because we don't have unfortunately we don't have those star elite players and while John is above average tight end he's not an elite tight end at this point, and even if he has one elite tight end year, and it's his contract year, John Robinson's still going to get him cheap. I just I have that faith. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I don't think he's not put himself on the level to where really you're, you know, going to compare him to those guys. I mean, he's if you're signing him, you're signing him before he has his break. You're, you're signing him before the season. You're signing him before a breakout season really happens. I mean, he's had nice seasons. Last year was a good year, but he certainly wasn't um, putting up numbers anywhere close to what those guys do. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a huge impact on his overall numbers. Sure, maybe it raises the market just a little bit, but I mean, it, it's all going to come down to what. Uh, he thinks he could get on the open market if he waited a year versus how much he wants to be here. And I, I think he knows 
he's in a spot where his coach obviously likes him a lot. Brable's made no bones about saying how much he enjoys working with Johnny Smith and what he thinks of him as a player. Um, I think that matters to guys. So, I mean, I, I fully expect Johnny Smith to be back here one way or another. Um, and hopefully it's with a uh, extension soon. And I think, you know, top 10 is where he's going to end up. And a top 10 contract would be around $7.5 million per year average. And I think that's where he'll end up is just kind of – he may get into the 10 range, but I, I think he'll be single-digit uh, million dollars uh, AAV. So, essentially what you are saying is he's not going to get benched for Khalif Raymond. <laughs> now, listen, I did not say that. Now, he better watch, watch his back because Khalif Raymond is coming for that tight end one spot. I heard well, Khalif Raymond is going to take Tannehill's job. Yeah. Well, let's roll in and talk about two gigantic human beings, Dennis Kelly versus Isaiah Wilson. Mike, I'm going to throw that topic at you first. So I'm not sure what year it'll be whenever I stop seeing Isaiah Wilson on a TV screen or in a picture and stop being like jaw to the floor amazed at just his like general build, you know, I, I've talked, we talked about it on the last podcast, but I, I saw him again in this like uh, live look training camp thing that the Titans are doing, which is awesome, by the way. You can tune in and watch like, it's like half an hour of practice or whatever, but it's good because, you know, obviously fans can't go to training camp this year. And so if you want to see the guys in action, you can, you can check them out for a little bit. But uh, I saw him and, and they just flash to him real quick standing among a bunch of other offensive linemen and he's so noticeably bigger compared to the other offensive linemen and and it's not like I mean it's just this guy his he's got tree trunk legs tree trunk arms and like his just torso is just a, just a block of thickness it, it's it's unbelievable he's an unbelievable looking specimen I, I just I'm blown away every time I put my eyes on him I, I don't think Dennis Kelly is going to start. And here I am. Is some, then that's, a, that's a change of opinion from, from where I was when they drafted Isaiah Breaking Wilson. Breaking news. Because yeah, I thought – not happy. Yeah. Well, I wasn't happy, but I also thought that he wasn't going to start right away. And I think, I think there's no way that Dennis Kelly is going to keep him from starting week one. I mean – He's athletic. He's explosive. Everything you've heard is that he is what they expected him to be, drafting him that high. And I, I, I just don't think – I'm sorry, Dennis Kelly, uh, but Undertaker's going back into the casket. And uh, I think this is Isaiah Wilson's job, and there's no way that I, – I just don't see any way that he doesn't start. I mean, just look at him. Just – he should start just – based on sheer fear of a defender having a lineup across from him. Like he just, he just, he's so scary looking that that gives you like extra little oomph against some of these defensive ends and defensive tackles that he may see. I mean, he's so big. He's just big and he's fast. And I, I mean the Panda Panda bear over undertaker and I'm all in on the Panda bear now. And I, I, I'm sorry, Dennis Kelly, but you're not getting this job. Now, this is a gigantic set of men that the Titans seem to have. I, I, not suddenly. This has obviously come over the course of a few years, but this is a big set of boys that that are sitting there up front. Isaiah Wilson, Dennis Kelly's big too. Isaiah Wilson and Dennis Kelly, uh, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid to throw myself out there as, as definitively as Zach did, just saying that Isaiah Wilson is going to start, but – I kind of have to almost go back into the not safe for work description that Mike is giving Isaiah Wilson of he's so big that how can you not just roll with him? I agree with you, Zach. Of I don't want to stand across the line and look at him. I don't want to even give him a, a cross look. I, I, like Dennis I, Kelly's I, big, but he's kind of like, you know, I don't know, I, for lack of a better word, he's just kind of flabby, like just disheveled, <laughs> I feel like. And like to me – the block of thickness is a, just a correct, you know, description of he's just Isaiah Wilson is just more put together. I mean, he's just well built. And I think that dis, disheveled, homeless uh, Dennis Kelly, I mean, 
I'm I'm just not feeling it on the the right side. I'm just so, not feeling it. His nickname is Panda, but I kind of like when pro wrestling groups have come up with a nickname for their group and block of thickness. If it is not the name of the Titans offensive line by the end of the season, we'd be quite upset. Maybe we need need to start a hashtag block of thickness. (laughs) B lowercase O uppercase T. I need B O T in our life for the Titans. That's exactly what I need. Let's get BOT trending. It's it's the look and the and the the proudness in Mike's voice when he describes the block of thickness that I that I'm really most proud of hearing. Listen, there's there's gonna be some blocks that happen this year where Isaiah Wilson just body bags somebody and I scream like a little girl. I, I, I just can't wait for that to happen. I want Isaiah Wilson to throw someone into the stands like Vince Young getting rid of a set of shoulder pads. I just want him to, after the whistle has blown, he's just pushing his guy just further out into the tunnel. Basically like a home run that keeps on, the ball keeps on going outside the stadium. Isaiah Wilson is just taking his man out into the parking lot. So let's go with the premise that Isaiah Wilson is starting. Dennis Kelly, obviously notably caught touchdown. Was he D, catch two touchdown passes last year or was it one? One in the regular season, one in the playoffs. There we go. So how far into the regular season does Isaiah Wilson get targeted into some crazy package where he's catching one in the end zone? I haven't seen the hands yet, but he did play some wildcat quarterback in high school, which the video of that is hilarious. If you haven't seen it yet, just go to YouTube and type in Isaiah Wilson quarterback, and it's it's unbelievable. I'm Uh, actually literally typing that in now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I think – I think Dennis Kelly probably retains the tackle touchdown, t- the tackle touchdown role. I'm going to make a bold prediction, and I almost want to save it for a, a whole segment, but I, I just can't. So the, the last part of in Titans 2020, this coming season, into Isaiah Wilson will throw Mike a touchdown Rabel pass to Dennis and the Kelly. Parting of the oh sheets my God, it would that be came from no, hands that, that were trying to help him. That's like the old and the way I phrase that sounds like your easy button to find somebody else's easy button. That's like dividing by zero. A lineman throwing a ball to another lineman. Jeff is going to be just the world will explode. Yeah, the first it had audio to it. Which is his mind, concerning, mind considering it's not a boom just, mic that's being used. He, he it's just essentially reporters with cell phones, phone. I'm assuming, recording on the sidelines. That, that in itself so will complete it had the block some audio of to it. And Vrabel <laughs> yeah. had this, like, I don't want to say flash of rage, but there was, he was perturbed, I guess I should say, by the fact that it, he got slapped so hard. So, um, Mike, give us your take by take breakdown of Mike Vrabel getting his ass cheeks slapped. So, one, if if Isaiah Sim or Isaiah, I, I'm still thinking about Isaiah Wilson. He's still talking about um, the block of thickness. He can't get off of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm blocked on the block of thickness. Um, uh, if Jeffrey Simmons ever slapped my ass that hard, my hip would just disintegrate and my legs would turn into spaghetti noodles. So I, I, you know, Vrabel Vrabel took it well, um, but my God, it, it it was so funny. And then him turning around. And threatening to punch Daquan Jones if uh, Simmons ever slapped him like that again. <laughs> and then Simmons chirping back at him about uh, if you hit one of us, you hit all of us. It was all so good. Like, it was all so good. I, I really enjoyed that video. Uh, and, yeah, the, the audio was a little disturbing. Um, but that's a big hand slapping a, a big ass. So, you know, it's, it, that's, that's what happens. Are you calling Vrabel fat? I mean, he's he's put on a few since his uh, playing days. I mean, when I saw it, I, I was I saw it first on mute. I was like, okay, that's just an ass slap. And then I uh, I guess you know Twitter, I opened it up, and then I saw it again because I was looking at Vrabel not wearing his mask properly. By the way, which is something that needs to be brought up to him that his mask the whole time is underneath his nose. Like that's oh, not God. that's the defeats the whole purpose of a mask anyway. And then I heard it. And I go, I felt it. Well, it. The hearing it makes you feel it. Like that is, that is, that is wild. I could not imagine though anybody. Maybe block of thickness. Uh, the panda would be the only other person I would not want to slap my ass that hard. But Jeffrey Simmons is definitely number one, probably on that list. I mean, woo. I'm 
surprised that Vrabel didn't turn around to slap him in the face or punched him. I mean, like I'm like that's that's a rage worthy spanking. It looked like towards the end of practice that they sang happy birthday to him. And then I think they dumped a bunch of bottles of water all over him. But kind of what I like about seeing that whole thing is, I mean, I think the phrase gets used a little too much with the whole player's coach. But damn, if he is not literally the definition of that, this team seems to not, they seem like they'd go to war for the man. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely think that goes into it. And And that was a big takeaway that was a big takeaway for me too out of this whole thing was yeah it's he's he's definitely a player's coach and like they don't just love like they don't just like him they they love that dude i mean you can tell i mean and they're joking around like the whole simmons you know being comfortable enough with him to to clap back and say hey if you hit daquan you know i'm coming for you too so like him being comfortable enough to joke with him like that i think shows you the kind of relationship um that those guys do have with Rabel and I think it's different I mean you heard Kenny Vaccaro talk about I think it was Joe Rextrode who had a piece uh, at the Athletic last year about it and how Vaccaro talked about he would share personal stuff with Rabel and and talk to him about real things and like he'd never had a coach that was like that before and I, I think I think there's real real benefit to that um from a, a Titan standpoint just because I, I I think it's it goes to show, you know, what kind of coach Rabel is. And, and, you know, that's, that's a guy that cares about his players and that matters to NFL players. So, you know, back when humanity first started exploring space, that's right. I'm going there. (laughs) Humanity launches a satellite called Voyager. They put this golden record on it so that if anyone ever found it, it gives a description of what humanity is. So what has ventured further into the universe so far the Voyager one satellite or the sound of that ass slap from training camp as it barrels its way past the sun. Now (laughs) that that's that ass slap has probably broken a space, the space time continuum. And there is a wormhole in that spot that any, that's if someone's not careful, they're, they're going to get sucked into it and just disappear during a uh, training camp at some point. Like, We'll never see Rashad Davis again because he's going to catch a route right where that ass slap happened and get sucked into the wormhole. So, you know, a lot of people think that the the release of the movie Cats is what broke society, and that's how we've ended up in the situation we are. I'm really hoping that the sound of that ass slap is what gets society back on track. Well, I feel like if it does, then we, we can pinpoint to this time and get some national news out of this. So I'm, I'm going to throw out there that if we don't get block of thickness trending on Twitter by the end of the week, I'm actually going to be pretty upset with this group. Yeah. I definitely oh, think absolutely. block of thickness will have ample opportunity to be uh, a hashtag. So let me ask you two, and Zach, I'm going to start with you because I've seen you playing video games more recently. Mike acts like he's a new father. But um, <laughs> so do you give a shit about Madden anymore? I give zero shits about Madden. I'll be quite honest. I think the people that get upset about Madden rankings and their their favorite team's players that didn't get ranked high enough or whatever, like, get over it, man. You're still going to buy the game. You're still going to play the game. The, those that are complaining about it. Um, so get over it. But, like, now the Madden soundtrack got released and everybody's, like, crapping all over it and saying that it's bad. I mean... It's a video game soundtrack. Are you listening to the soundtrack on your Spotify while you're playing the game? Because when, you, when you're when you playing the game, you really don't hear the music a lot. So I don't understand everybody's big concern. Like, this whole thing these last two years of being heavily involved in Twitter, I've really seen that society's kind of stupid to care about this shit like madden's madden it's the same game that you've had because they don't have any competition it's essentially the same game you've had since you're running around with michael vick in 2002 and you know the only way you can stop michael vick is because you have to have cover two defense in i mean it's the same game you've you you play a few of this i mean most people play the same team they do the franchise mode they do the same uh, four or five offensive plays and the same four or five defensive plays because it is what it is. It's just a video game. Like, who cares about a soundtrack to a video game and who cares about your players' rankings? I mean, just play the game and get the game, get their rankings up by playing the game well. 
Yeah, I'm I'm so far re- removed from playing Madden frequently. I used to play Madden all the time, but I haven't played Madden regularly in years and years. And the last time I did play it, I was just kind of like, eh, this is basically the same game that I left off like 10 years ago, you know? And so I, I just kind of have lost interest in it, I guess, to, to some degree. And yeah, I, I don't really understand the whole like getting mad about stuff. Like, of course, it's it's the Titans at this point. Like, you realize that this is a small market team. They have not gotten a lot of attention for years, and that's not necessarily fair to uh, the Titans, but it is what it is at this point. I mean, we complain about it all the time. It's not changing anything. Like, it just, you know, it is what it is. I'm just – there's other things to be more upset about, I guess. Outside of the the Titans players and rankings, I, I let me start by saying this. I, I am also could give two shits about Madden and the Madden rankings. Actually, I think it's an ingenious marketing effort by EA Sports, and I'm pretty sure most of it's done on purpose to where they un, quote unquote underrate or undervalue a few star players, and then people go nuts about it on Twitter. Because look what happens it's 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 a threefold effect, and EA should and they probably are clapping themselves on the back about how well this marketing scheme works. The fans get upset and start bitching about. I can't believe you undervalued player X. How dare you? Number two, the players get involved. Oh, really, Madden? This is what you think? I'm in 86. You don't think I deserve a 90 or above? And then number three, ESPN runs segments about it on SportsCenter. So, and, and then you know, the rest of the media follows suit. So it, it's, <laughs> it's a perfect marketing scheme for EA. And I can't stand it because it's a marketing scheme for a game that has made no changes in the last decade other than to throw monetization in of buying Madden Ultimate Team cards and this whole route you can go down that a lot of video games have done. And that's fine. You want to pay for things in games. I'm not here to hate on you. But my problem with it is they have not affected the core aspect of the gameplay, the way the game looks. It's it's actually a watered-down version of a game we got 10 years ago. I could care less. I, I see why people get fired up about it. And I, I'm, you know, kudos and applause to EA for coming out with one of the best marketing schemes ever. Cause it works. Twitter gets eat up. NFL Twitter gets eat up for about two or three weeks over rankings. And it just kind of carries into the regular season. <laughs> I could give a damn. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's crazy. Cause then they, they'll come out and they'll adjust the ratings. Right. You know, so like they, the, all the outrage happens and then they'll, sometimes they'll come out and they'll bump that rating and then they get all the spin off of, of that. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's genius and it's a marketing ploy and people should see it for what it is and stop complaining about it. So last but not least, um, to kind of take it off, off topic, off football uh, in general, Nashville local brews. Um, this is a topic that I'm, I'm a little uneducated on. I should be more educated on it because I've got opinions on on quite a few. But I want to start with Zach. What is your what's your favorite local local Nashville beer? Well, I, I split it up in two categories: what I can get at their brewery and what I can get pretty much anywhere. So, like, I, if I go to Publix, what can I get? And I will have to say that my go-to beer or my go-to brewery is Smith and Lentz. Now it's in the middle of reconstruction from the tornado, but Smith and Lentz I think has the best brewery. And I'm not just saying that because former producer DJ EJ works there, but it is actually their, their selection of, they have multiple selections of uh, Pilsners and beer that, um, that I, that are in my wheelhouse, right? So if I go to uh, what's the one next to Bare Bones Butcher? It's um, oh, it's like Hillsboro Brewery or something like that. It it's it sucks because it was I went in there one day and it was all saisons and fruit and sour beers. Like I gotta have some some light, refreshing beers, some good summer beers that are not fruity, right? I'm not a big fruit beer guy, but that one Smith and Lentz. The, the only problem I have with Smith and Lentz is that yeah, you can't go to Publix and get it right. But I tell you one that I found recently, and um, it is I don't. It's not made. I've only seen it here, but it's not made 
by a traditional brewery, but someone called Proper Saki Company. It's it's Nano Brewery here in Nashville, Tennessee, and they produce this beer called Koji Gold. If you like Japanese beer, Kirin Ichiban or Sapporo or something like that, this is a Nashville beer that you can find at your at Publix. You can find at um, a couple places. You can't find it at bars. Koji Gold, though, is really, really, really good. I highly recommend it. So I guess I'm kind of a basic bitch when it comes to natural beers, but I mean – and, and it's cliche to say it because everyone loves them, I guess. Yazoo Gerst is is like my all-time favorite beer. It's my go-to. Anytime I'm out and they have it on tap, like that is automatically what I'm getting, like without any other thought. Um, and I also do like the uh, uh, their Dos Peros, their uh, Mexican uh, lager. Um, those are two of my favorites. But Yazoo is probably my go-to one. You know, it's – to outside of mike's opinion though um hashtag block a basic i i i kind of i kind of agree with you where this is where i feel on on local brew and it's kind of like micro brew in general right i love to experiment and try little small batches of anything so i'm not much of a sour guy i'm trying to get more into ipas that's a whole nother discussion but i i i'm kind of partial to a beer that i feel like how do i say this without it sounding bad is I kind of like it to where you just order it and you know what it's going to taste like. I guess where I'm going is like, you know, when you're younger in college, you go to the bar and it's like, give me a Miller Lite, give me a Coors Light, you know, just it's give me a beer, right? Well, to me more, if I'm going for something that's more of a flavor, it's like, give me a Gerst, a Yazoo Gerst. If they've got Gerst on tap or, you know, most places in, in Nashville have Gerst. I, I tell you the one I'm lament losing, if I could say this, is the Mill Creek Little Darling. The, the fact that Mill Creek is basically defunct and I don't know if someone is now brewing this or what, but I still find six packs of little darling and every now and then when I can find that I do grab it, but I've got to agree with Mike. I think my go-to is, is Yazoo Gerst. If I can still find little darling, I grab those. So that's going to do it for us at football. And other efforts as always, we always appreciate you tuning in. Of course you can now find football and other efforts at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And while you're at Broadway Sports Media, if it's content you like and you haven't subscribed yet, please sign up. Enjoy the site. We have a just ton of content for you all to dive into. So really, that's going to do it for all of us. As always, Zach Lines, myself, and Mike Herndon, you've just been up. A Broadway Sports Media production.